This is the Mark Dolan Way. Top tips for mind, body and soul, some great life hacks and my favourite products of the week. This show is available on all podcast platforms or you can watch it. Just subscribe to the Mark Dolan Way on YouTube and join the Facebook group. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to the show. And can I tell you, it's Christmas. So a very Merry Christmas to one and all. I don't think Christmas has to be religious. I think it's one of those festivals that we should all enjoy, whatever our denomination, or even if you're not religious at all and an atheist. It's not an accident that Christmas happens in December. It's the middle of winter, isn't it? When the days are shortest, the weather is bad. So we all build ourselves up to December the 25th. Imagine if you didn't have Christmas, you'd be going through sort of October, November. It's getting cold. It's raining December, January. No fixture, no moment to break up that rather challenging six month period. So instead, you've got, you know, you've got Yuletide, you've got Christmas and it's the lights and it's the parties and it's the presents and it's the music and it's the food, and it's the family, and it's the friends, and it's a tremendous idea. It's an excellent invention. It's like the Chinese New Year is also brilliant because that's very colourful and bright, isn't it? The Chinese New Year. I was in <clears throat> Inner Mongolia for Chinese New Year about 10 years ago. I was making a documentary for Channel 4 called The World's Smallest Man and Me. And I, by the way, welcome to the Christmas special. I hope you're having a great time. Um, I was, uh, I, I went there because I'd been to, where had I been? I'd been to Nepal to meet a really lovely guy called Kagendra Tapar Magar, who was about hmm, 61 centimetres in height. That's remarkable, isn't it? That's two rulers from school back to back. And he was a really sweet guy. He was a grown man probably 16, 17 years of age, but behaved like a child, have very much childlike qualities. And then I went to Inner Mongolia. So this documentary, the idea of it was called The Worlds and Me Documentaries. They're all on the Channel 4 website, I think. Bits of them are on YouTube. I met the tallest woman, the world's strongest child. Um, I met, gosh, what did I, I met psychics. I met plastic surgery addicts. It was a really interesting and absorbing three series that I did. Globe trotting, great gig. Learned lots from seeing the world. Um, in a previous episode, um, I remember telling you that there's no difference between posh hotels and cheap ones. There isn't. It's the biggest con ever because it doesn't matter where you sleep. It's really amazing. I've been to posh hotels where the room was noisy because of air conditioning or something. And I've been to cheap hotels that were just quiet and clean. You always get a bed. You always get a telly. What the hell's the difference? The difference is the breakfast. But anyway, that's for another time. So I travelled the world and I went and I went to Inner Mongolia to meet He Ping Ping, who was very small too, maybe 65, 66 centimetres in height. But he was a grown man who did not behave like a, a small child or a toddler. He behaved like a guy that happened to just be tiny. And in fact, he was a chain smoker. So some of the most iconic images from the show were of him puffing on his cigarette and blowing the smoke into the camera. Quite amazing. And he was kind of a tough guy and he had a bit of an attitude. It was a great thing. He tried to compensate for being so incredibly tiny by being this rather larger than life macho figure. And actually, at first, the conversation was difficult because we didn't really bond. And I think he felt that my questions were obviously very focused on his height and all the rest of it. He was understandably on the defensive. I mean, I'll be honest with you, the show probably sounds very exploitative. It really wasn't meant to be. The underpinning of the show was that if you go and meet, like I met a guy called Dennis Avner, who had turned himself into a cat with a lot of plastic surgery. I, I met the real life human Barbie doll. There's a woman who turned herself basically into a Barbie doll. I think she'd had over 40 operations. 
or if you meet somebody that was born incredibly tiny or if you meet a woman who was seven feet over seven feet in height then their life experience is different to yours and to mine and a lot can be learned from their unique journey so that was the idea of the series is like what is life like if you're handed a very different deck of cards and what can we all collectively benefit from that what i learned from all of these people apart from the fact that most of them were very warm very intelligent they were mentally strong and they craved normality what they craved is what you and i have already got they just wanted to be normal and the tallest woman in the world just wanted to be able to go out and do her shopping and have a boyfriend she just wanted what we take for granted so normal is underrated guys enjoy it enjoy normal it ain't bad normal gets a bad press boring if you've got a boring life that's okay that's pretty decent i'll take boring anyway so um i went to um inner mongolia and it was chinese new year and I just, you know, you could just see why the new year starts in the middle of winter, because it's just a time of candles and of lights and of colour and of festivities and cake and treats, fireworks. And it's exactly what you need in the middle of the winter. So the Chinese are not stupid and the Christians are not stupid and Jewish people with Hanukkah are not stupid. <clears throat> it is the time of year for the party. I can't lie. So it was really great. So I met here, Ping Ping, this guy, the, the really small guy. And I ate dinner with him, spent the day with him. And by the end of the day, we were complete best mates. And uh, a couple of things, by the way, don't judge a book by its cover. So I was served this pork dish in their house in a Mongolia, minus 16. It was. That's how cold it was. Colder than the freezer in my house at the time. I remember being on the phone, standing outside, and after about three minutes, I could feel the bones in my face aching. I had aching bones in my face. It was amazingly cold. And so you would go into this house, and the house was like just a stone cottage, pretty much one room. And you've got this fire, you've got this boiler, which is basically, I think it was wood. And then there's a platform, and everyone just sits on top of the heater basically and you eat you sit around there there's no chairs or anything you just sit on this raised platform and the food is in the middle and you and, and actually i was there all day and you sit there all day you're looking out the window you're chatting the guy i met Hair ping ping was smoking his cigarettes and dinner came and then i it really felt like a bush tucker trial on i'm a celebrity right it felt like oh my god when this food arrived so it was pork but it was essentially it was these chunks of pork four or five centimeters of which was solid fat with then like a tiny tiny bit of meat at the bottom of it so chunks of pork 90 percent fat and i've got to put that in my mouth and i've got to eat it and swallow it and there's a lot of it and it's dinner and i'm like i don't want one of those because i don't know about you but if i see a big sort of fatty piece of meat like real grizzly fat it's like i, I just leave it to one side i'm one of those people i will operate on my steak in order to carefully and fastidiously remove the fat and uh, so therefore this was my worst nightmare but the the dish was it was basically just some sort of pork fat dish right oh my god yuck so anyway they're all looking at me the whole family are looking at me now i'm not going to disrespect this family i don't want to have a cultural incident in which i'm rude about their food about their culture or indeed showing snobbery or anything like that so I had no choice but to ingest these massive lumps of fat. But here's why you do not judge a book by its cover. Here's why you keep an open mind. Because I put the first chunk into my mouth expecting the worst. Let me tell you, it's probably the single nicest bit of food that's ever been in my mouth. The fat just dissolved in my mouth. It was transcendental. The experience. It just disappeared in a puff of smoke in my mouth. So it wasn't oily. It wasn't chewy. It wasn't fatty. It was just sort of this abstract implosion in my mouth. 
<clears throat> so you chopsticks, fatty piece of pork, goes into your mouth, essentially melts on your tongue. Kind of like marshmallow, I suppose, but even lighter. Wait for it, even lighter than marshmallow. It was lighter than marshmallow. It was delicious and it was a bit salty and I had loads of it and it was great and it was so good. So keep an open mind. But yeah, so that's why my memories of New Year, I mean, there are lots of things, family memories, childhood memories, but I do remember my time in Inner Mongolia, which is quite literally part of China. It's not in China, but I believe they own it. Well done them. We drove about five hours to get to this stone cottage on very rickety roads in a beaten up Toyota pickup truck. Great experience. So here we are, it's Christmas, and I thought we would celebrate with a drink. What the hell, don't you think? Oh, I swear to God. So this is my first drink in many weeks. Three, three or four weeks, at least. And, um, you know, a perennial theme of this podcast is about ordinary stuff and cheap stuff being actually quite good. Like I told you about cheap hotels are often brilliant. Well, this bog standard lager, Cronenberg 1664, right? It's a French beer, but it's obviously one of those multinational brands. It's nothing special. It's not like a craft beer. But first of all, I find a lot of craft beers have got such a partisan flavour. They're so... What can they be? They can be very syrupy. They can be very uh, peaty. They can be very dry. They can be cloying. I find the craft beers have got too much character often. And, you know, they're outrageously expensive. I mean, around here, my local supermarket, it does a few craft beers. £5.50 for a can. And on more than one occasion, I hate to tell you, I've opened the can of that stuff, had a sip, pouring it down the sink. Can't do it. Cannot do it. Big golden rule in life, if you're having a drink. Um, don't drink it if you're not enjoying it, okay? Same with food, don't eat it if you're not enjoying it. So I was working with a very, very top food critic on the radio and he was having a hard time, but he was having a hard day and maybe the show was also a bit of a challenge as well and he needed cheering up. And I think it was actually nearly Christmas at the time. I feel it was a sort of this time of year, coming to the end of the year. And during an ad break, I went into the work, this radio station, I went to the kind of fridge, the office fridge, and there happened just to be a can of Cronenberg in there, which is a bog standard, crappy, multinational, not special beer. And I poured it into a nice, there was actually a proper beer glass there, and it was the fridge was really cold. It was a work fridge, it was like maybe two degrees. I don't know where you stand on fridge temperature, but I like a really cold fridge. Uh, Mrs. Dolan will not allow the fridge to be lower than three degrees. But our last fridge, before it broke, it would go down to one. And I sometimes had it on one. And that was amazing because that meant that the, f the milk would be so cold and beer would be so cold and everything else in there would be so cold. One degree. How good is that? One degree off freezing. But it's three degrees now, which is decent. And uh, this but this fridge, I think, uh, at work was probably one degree. It was ice cold. It was a damn good fridge. I love a good fridge. I think we've talked about this before. In an ideal world, if I had my way, I'd have a, I'd have a whole fridge, like a massive fridge, not with a freezer bit, just an entire dedicated fridge um, with an ice machine in it, then a separate freezer, and then I would have a secondary fridge. I'd have a backup fridge as well for beer. How about that? A beer fridge. Beer and soft drinks. Imagine that. Diet Coke, lemonade, beer, Guinness, just a lovely drinks fridge and then your fridge fridge and then your freezer. <laughs> My parents had a chest freezer because they ran a pub. The chest freezer is basically a massive gigantic box with a lid on the top. You pull the lid up and then look into it. This thing was vast. It was the size of a small car which they bought from a shop called B-Jam, 
they bought the fridge from a shop called Bee Jam. Bee Jam was a frozen fridge, sorry, it was a frozen food shop, right? Bee Jam, frozen food shop, selling frozen food, which I think is underrated, by the way. I think frozen food is underrated because when vegetables are frozen, they're actually picked fresh and frozen within 24 hours. So frozen vegetables contain more nutrients than the vegetables that you get fresh from the supermarket, which have been out and about for a few days, oxidizing. It's just that certain vegetables don't work frozen. Brussels sprouts are soggy and wet, frozen. Broccoli frozen doesn't work, but frozen peas are great and frozen meat is excellent. So this Christmas, don't rule out getting yourself a frozen turkey. It's fine. You need a couple of days to defrost it though. At least 24 hours. You're welcome. But um, this was a shop called Bee Jam, which is now closed down. And when they, they did close down, when they went into liquidation, they sold their freezers because they didn't need them anymore. And we bought one from the shop. And then yeah, that was our freezer. Pretty good. Pretty good. So, um, yeah, fridges. So this is very... So when, when I brought my colleague this beer, he didn't know what it was. He's a top food critic, right? He has the most sophisticated palate in the country. And he took a drink of it. He said, that is absolutely beautiful. What is that? And what, what craft lager is that? That is... It's got such a rich flavour. It's so layered. Perfect carbonation. I said, it's Cronenberg 1664. He couldn't believe it. He couldn't believe it. So let's try it now. So I've poured myself a drop. Let's see if it lives up to the hype. If you can see, shall I, you can see me pouring it. It's got a nice sort of very light yellow colour to it. What would you call that? Oh, can you tell I'm not a food or drink critic? Sort of pale yellow. Straw colour. There you go. It's a kind of straw colour. And I'll smell it now. It's good. It smells. It does not smell too alcoholic. It's got a nice sort of malty beer smell, but I'm not smelling ethanol. I'm not smelling booze, which is not a good smell, is it? So it smells great. And it tastes great. It tastes French. It's not too sweet. It's It's got a dry kick. It's almost a bit like champagne. It's got a kind of a champagne aftertaste. It's definitely a dry lager, but it's underrated, you know. That's very decent. La première bière française. Um, hilariously, because we're in the United Kingdom, this is a pint can. Look how uncivilised we are as a country. That The Brits have invented a pint can. If you go to France, they give you these tiny little bottles, which is enough for a Frenchman. Little bottle is enough. But here we need a pint because we don't mess around. It's ridiculously tall. It's actually too tall for any of the shelves in the fridge. You're welcome. It was really good value. It was four for like five pounds. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. Just over a pound a pint. If you went to your local pub, it would be five pounds fifty or six pounds. You have one of those. It's just over a pound. Pretty impressive. So yeah, that's good. It's the gift that keeps on giving. When I went low carb. What that meant is not eating sugar, bread, rice, pasta, beer, all the rest of it, right? Starchy carbohydrates. Beer it was off the menu completely. You can't have it. It's very high in carbohydrates, I'm afraid. When you drink beer, you might as well be drinking lemonade because when it hits your gut, it turns to sugar. So there's no difference between lemonade and beer. So sorry about that. That's why I'm having beer today because it's Christmas and rules there to be broken. But that will be it. I mean, I'll have some beers over Christmas and then the new year, January, forget it. I think the whole January will be dry. Well into February. It might not be till March. My birthday's in March. So I could possibly keep my powder dry until then. The gaps between alcohol and, and not are growing. And uh, that's a good thing because I'm getting older, you see. And it's, uh, the body is less forgiving. I'll leave that to the youngsters. And then when you do have it, like now, it's actually really enjoyable. So um, before we get on and talk about Christmas and everything, I can offer you a little bit of a hack. If you if you do like beer, can I offer you this little hack, which is you take your lager, which is what I've got, and then you add some ale. 
So you mix the lager with the ale. And what the ale does, the ale is darker and it has a deeper, more malty flavour. So it tends to add a little character to the lager. So you keep the drinkability and the carbonation of the lager. And then you have, as I say, that body, that extra layer. Imagine the lager is like lead guitar and then the ale is the bass. Dum, 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 just underneath. Now this is called Hobgoblin IPA. That's the ale. We shall try it in isolation first because we should see what it tastes like on its own. And that is a world-class ale. It's ridiculously good. It's one of the best ales I've ever had in my mouth. That's really nice. It's uh, malty. There's a bit of licorice in there. Even if you don't like licorice, it's, it's good licorice. It's got a bite. It's very cold because it comes from the fridge. And you can't see what colour it is because it's in a dark brown bottle already. And then I've mixed it with the Cronenberg. Let's see how that goes. Yeah, I don't think it works. <laughs> I don't think it works. Mm. What I think is I think that the beer is dry and the ale is dry. And therefore, um, I don't think that the ale adds... It's, it's still nice, but I don't think I'll blend any more of those two together. Probably what I needed to do is the ale needed to be a slightly sweeter variety. Because the beer is, the lager is dry and the ale a bit sweeter. And then that would have melonged nicely. I was just going to tell you that when I went low carb. And then, and I was low carb for ages. And then I had a beer and I couldn't drink it. And do you know why? Because it tasted too sweet. When you go low carb and then you drink beer, it actually tastes sweet. It tastes sickly sweet. And that means that your palate has recalibrated to how it probably would be if you lived in the wild that these things so one of my heroes is a brilliant low carb doctor called Brett Scher and he treats people with a kind of low carb protocol and he said that he knows when his patients have been cured of their addiction to like the sugary lifestyle when carrots taste sweet then you're cured if you eat a carrot and it doesn't taste sweet, that means that you're acclimatized to glucose and you're eating a lot of sugary stuff. And therefore you don't notice. And if you drink, if you drink, if you have loads of carbs and you drink beer, it doesn't taste sweet. But when you go cold turkey and you're low carb, then things like beer and also carrots taste sweet. So if that happens, that's great news because it means you're cured. It means you're free. So there we are. Well, look, Merry Christmas, one and all. I hope you're having a lovely time. I think this episode drops on Christmas Eve. So therefore, we're on the edge of it. We've got the anticipation. And isn't the anticipation of Christmas fantastic? That's half the pleasure, isn't it? Looking forward to it. And is there anything worse than Boxing Day? Oh, my God. What a disaster. Thanks, but no thanks. Boxing Day, when all of the Christmas the um, wrapping papers just like on the floor, house is a mess. Washing up needs to be done. There's turkey everywhere, empty bottles. People are tired, a bit grouchy, maybe hungover. Boxing Day is a disaster. I think the trick with Boxing Day is to do something. There is, in the United Kingdom, there is football on Boxing Day. So that's a great thing to do. Get yourself out with your mates outside watching a football match. I might be wrong, but I think there are places in this country where they have race meetings where you can go and do horse racing. If not that, maybe plan a big substantial walk. Big, lovely, bracing walk. Couple of hours. Do something positive like that and maybe have a structure for Boxing Day. Maybe schedule a movie at like 7pm, a movie that everyone's been looking forward to seeing. Because Christmas Day will be great. It always is. Christmas Day doesn't need any help. It doesn't need any 
just I, I think it takes care of itself I really do I don't think you know it doesn't need dressing up it doesn't need enhancing it is Christmas day um I would advise that you wait until the evening for the presents because then you have the anticipation of the gifts all day and you know you're in life you always want to delay gratification you always want the best bits to be at the end not at the start so i would recommend that i would recommend the presents in the evening so what do we talk about well, christmas eve and then christmas day christmas eve is lovely it's it's all ahead of you it's it's like you know when you go on your holidays the night before your holidays that's the best bit of the holiday is the night before before your holiday started is the best bit because you're looking forward to it. You're like, I'm going to Tenerife tomorrow and you're packing. You put your sunglasses in and your Bluetooth loudspeaker. Amazing. Christmas Eve is the same. Lovely, lovely occasion. Uh, I used to have great Christmas Eves when I was growing up because my, my uncle used to come around for Christmas. He worked in a biscuit factory. And he worked nights every, you know, his whole life, his whole career, he worked nights, which is really tough. He used to come and see us on a Sunday evening for dinner and then he'd go in, into the factory Sunday night. Imagine that. And therefore Christmas was great because he didn't have to work nights. He would have like the whole Christmas New Year off, I think. So he would join us. I think he would turn up Christmas Eve. So I do associate my dear uncle with with christmas and uh, i mean he was a lovely charming and very funny man but he also yeah he's just associated with christmas and so he would get there probably mid-afternoon late afternoon on christmas eve which meant christmas was starting all the presents would be under the tree and the telly the tv starting to get good on christmas eve isn't it there, there's already going to be one good movie on christmas eve and we used to have, on the evening of Christmas Eve, we would have mince pies or Christmas cake, iced Christmas cake with a big pot of tea. And it was just lovely. And the te telly would be on. And then the pub was open. I grew up above a pub. So the pub would be open downstairs, really busy. People full of Christmas cheer. All of that anticipation of the big day. Arguably, Christmas Eve is better than Christmas Day because it's basically it's Christmas, but it hasn't started. There's none of the pressure, all the excitement, all the anticipation. The atmosphere in the pub on Christmas Eve was just so good. People coming in, you know, they've done their wrapping, they've wrapped the presents and they're ready for a good time. They've just finished work. They won't be going back to work for a few days. It's lovely. It's so a lot of people would do half day on Christmas Eve, wouldn't they? So they work in the morning, get everything finished, maybe give some presents to their colleagues and then by lunchtime, all done, leave the office, not to be seen again until January. I always feel a bit sorry for companies that open and operate between Christmas and New Year. I think it's a shame. I think they should have the whole time off in an ideal world. So Christmas Eve is lovely. So my uh, uncle used to come around and the telly was good. You'd have carols playing. And we used to go to midnight mass, which is a really great thing. So what you would do is you would leave. We would leave at maybe 11, 11, 15 to get a good seat at church. And then the mass would begin. Actually, there would be singing from half 11. The mass would begin at 12. It was about an hour long. And you had carols and all the rest of it. A real full church, you know, really nice. And then... You'd be out by half one. You'd have a quick look at the crib on the way out with the baby Jesus and everything. And then you get home and it's time to go to bed. One last look at the tree. One last look at the presents. Maybe pick up one of the boxes and shake it. What could that be? Is it a CD player? Is it a Scalectrix? Is it a remote control car? Is it a sort of itchy jumper from your grandma? And then you go to bed, you fall into bed, two in the morning, wake up at 10 and it's Christmas morning. So I've got happy memories of Christmas. My parents did the coolest thing. They were very generous. They were very good about Christmas. So what they did, how good is this? How lucky was I? 
and my siblings, you would wake up and Father Christmas had delivered. So before going to bed, you had to make sure that there was like a whiskey and a couple of mince pies. You wake up and at the foot of your bed would be a couple of gifts from Father Christmas. So as a child, that was ecstatic. That was amazing. And I will never forget the year that I did get a remote control car. That was the prized thing that I dreamed of having was a remote control car. Father Christmas brought one. And it was a Mercedes-Benz, a car that I still like, a sort of coupe 500 SEC in silver from like the mid 80s. If you're interested, it was the car that Sue Ellen drove in Dallas. You're welcome. That's very detailed information, isn't it? Isn't it amazing that I can remember that? But that's because I bloody love that car. I'm just trying to see if it's got any better the mix that I did. The mix is fine. I just, on this occasion, it's not the perfect partnership and it didn't need it. So what I will do as a fix is I will enjoy them separately from now on. You're welcome. Shall we have a quick look at, let me just Google Sue Ellen Carr, uh, Dallas. So basically, that would be amazing if, if they actually, yes, well, look, it says Sue Ellen Rex JR's Mercedes, but let's have a look if the, her actual car is, um, yes, there it is. Haha. Uh -huh. um, Sue Ellen, do you remember Dallas? I've got this issue with my lovely colleagues at work who are so brilliant. They're all young, which is a great thing, but they don't know the references that I know. So they don't know about Dallas and Dynasty, which were these American soap operas of the 80s and 90s. But if you Google Sue Ellen Carr Dallas, there is a picture of her Mercedes. It's a really nice car. Mercedes-Benz 380 SEC. Well, I think mine was a 500. You're welcome. Coupe, very, very powerful car. And apparently in the show, she crashes it. But there you go. Nice car. Um, I was given that by Father Christmas. And it was an amazing, amazing thing. There was only one negative, And this is where youngsters are very lucky these days. <laughs> it came with rechargeable batteries. But they needed 16 hours to charge. 16 hours. So all I want to do is Christmas morning is play with this remote control car. But I've got to wait 16 hours, which I think you'll agree is more than a whole day. So that was torture, plugging this thing in. And what I would do is... um. I'd leave the batteries in for a couple of hours and then <clears throat> put them into the car and then it would move for like 30 seconds and it would die. So then I just like had to get on with it. But there was happy memories. This car, it's a remote control car, it was quite big and it had lights at the front. So you could turn off, in my bedroom, turn off all the lights and you drive it around and it would light up the room as it drove around. I don't know why, but I was very captivated by remote control cars. Trains, like train set, didn't really move the dial for me. Scalectric, which is what my brother had, which is kind of like a car racing game. It was fun, but it didn't really move the dial for me. It was the remote control car is what I was all about. That's what I was all about. I was all about the remote control car. In fact, I, I could easily have one now. And enjoy it. Have a great time with it. It wouldn't be a problem. So that was an amazing thing. That Father Christmas would come in the morning. And then you're so lucky right. Because you'd have the presents in the evening. From your relatives of Father Christmas in the morning. And then in the evening. So what we would do is. We would wait until like after dinner. So it'd be like nine, ten o'clock. Before we open the presents. And that would be more, maybe more practical stuff. It might be a jumper and it might be this and it might be that. Um, I got soap on a rope. My lovely auntie always used to give us a, a sock with chocolate bars in, which was really nice. No problem with that whatsoever. Not a problem, let me tell you. So the gifts were really good. I think I've told you the story before of my big obsession one year was... Um, a CD player. That was the big thing. CD When CDs came out, I love music. It means the greatest thing, isn't it? Music. It is the greatest thing. Let me tell you that if you're struggling in life, 
mental health, depression, it all doesn't feel worth it, you're in a dark place. Music will save you. Books will save you. Comedy will save you. Access the creative arts because they are just so nourishing for the human soul. I mean, I use music as a drug. It just literally changes my mood. It's the perfect drug. So um, therefore, my big thing, and I don't know how old I was, but the big thing was to get a CD player. And we went to Dixon's and we saw one. It was well, it was well reasonable priced, you know. It was, I mean, it was still a lot at the time. But it was maybe like 80, 80 pounds of CD player. It was, it would have been the cheapest you could get at the time. It was relatively new technology. But I was so excited because I had loudspeakers. Because my dad's, just from my dad's hi-fi, was going to connect my dad's hi-fi to the loudspeakers. And I had a couple of CDs. I reckon it would have been late 80s Elton John. So I probably had ice on fire and maybe leather jackets on CD. There was no way that I was going to have a CD player and not have a couple of CDs ready to go. Well, I unboxed it and then I plugged it into the speakers and it didn't work. So CD player, loudspeakers, there's no sound. After Christmas in January, we went back to the shop and they said, oh, you need an amp as well. So I think I waited another year for an amp. <laughs> so basically, you wouldn't know, would you? Just if you didn't understand technology, you would think CD player and then connect it to loudspeakers. Away you go. What is the amp? Why does he need an amp? Why you have this middleman? For God's sakes. So anyway, that was pretty d destroying. But it was worth the wait. Of course it was. CD. Mixed feelings about CD because on the one hand, the sound was sublimely good. And it is to this day, you know, CD is very good. It's much better than MP3. So much better than streaming. We have a lovely beaten up Toyota Prius, which is now 13 years old and still absolutely smashing it. That car is owning it. And it's beaten up and it's old, which means that it will never be stolen, which is the most beautiful thing. So... Sometimes having stuff that's not great is so liberating because it's not expensive to fix and it won't be stolen. I think rubbish stuff is, is underrated. And also, by the way, I don't want to be rude about the Prius because it actually isn't rubbish. It's an amazing piece of engineering. Uh, hugely innovative, hybrid technology. Um, but, you know, the car itself has just been around a long time and no one wants it. I could leave the doors open and it wouldn't be taken, which is so fabulous. I've got a friend with an electric. What's it called? Not Range Rover, Land Rover, an electric uh, Jaguar. Literally, it keeps getting stolen. It comes out of his house and it's just gone. Isn't that terrible? So I am a very big fan of my knackered old car. Anyway, it's got a CD player. It's actually got a multi-change CD player because new cars don't have CD anymore, which is actually a real shame. And when I put my CDs in there and I go for a long drive, there's nothing beats that sound. In fact, I'll be honest, the car is a great place to listen to music. It really is. You know what? The little blend that I made there, it's growing on me. It's not bad. It is not bad. So, yeah, so, um, and then the other, the other um, great Christmas present, just thinking about great Christmas gifts of the past. And it was an, a little Pentax camera. That was an SLR, so one of those cameras where you can actually focus it yourself. And that was really nice. It was, it, it was not, it, it did not have any, automatic element to it it was it was analog so what that means is there were no with no batteries in there you've just got this camera and there was no flash or anything and you had to decide i'm just trying to think did it would it would it have it must have needed a battery just for the shutter to open and close but it was wonderfully basic. So you would focus it yourself and you would choose how big the hole of the lens is and how much light would come in. You would choose the film, the different speed of the film. I think we've talked about this Pentax before, but I absolutely loved it. 
and that got me into photography so i think this christmas if you're thinking about gifts and stuff it's a bit late isn't it this is the christmas special but the best gifts are the ones that take you on a journey so if you give someone a camera you're giving them the means of production the tools with which to capture moments and i think that's really great it's a lovely thing to give somebody. I and mean, if you give someone a book, you know, that's just like you're giving them 10 hours of escape into another world. It's lovely if the gift can be productive and involve some kind of learning, some kind of process. That's why Lego is so great, because you're giving someone the tools with which to build something. And I absolutely loved my Lego. I used to get lost in Lego. But yeah, remote control car, Pentax camera. I think it was a P50. Should we look it up? Pentax P50, might have been a P40. Let's have a look. Should we see? P50 is coming up. Let's see if there's a P40. Oh, and there's a P30 as well. Anyway, it was lovely. I think it was a P30. Pentax P30. Let's have a look. Um, let's get a bit of a review here from 2020 light accurate and everything just seemed to be in the right place uh, pentax p30 the last mass market manual focus slr just seeing pictures of it now takes me back to that those very happy days gorgeous there it is you've got the on button it used film it wasn't digital you had to choose the shutter speed and the size of the aperture Now, does it have batteries? This doesn't matter, does it? It's not important. It has two big weaknesses, does it? Oh, I, know, I didn't. He's fussy. And the critics are so fussy, aren't they? It was made in Japan. Imagine that. How rare is that? It cost you a million pounds now to buy a camera that was actually made in Japan. Anyway, happy memories. And I used to go on school trips taking pictures with my Pentax P30. So well done, my parents. And by the way, that was interesting because I don't think I asked for a camera. I think they just came up with that. So presents, by the way, it's a minefield, isn't it? You know, what presents to give to people? For example, your partner, you know, do you know if it clothes? What style do they like? What size are they? Will it fit? It's much easier these days because you have the receipt and you have 30 days. By the way, top tip, if you are worried about returns and refunds and stuff like that, certainly in the UK, when you buy something online, it is the law that they must accept it back within, I think it's 28 days. Whereas if you buy it in store, they don't have to take it back. So it's to do with, and the reason why is because of unseen. So I bought a mattress once that was wrong. And I called the shop and I said, it's wrong. You need to take it back. And they said, no, we, we can't refund that because I think it was like a seven day returns. And I said, well, it doesn't fit the bed or there was some issue with the mattress anyway. But the guy then he's like, wait a minute, how did you buy it? He said, did you did you buy it uh, over the phone? Like, I did. I bought it over the phone. And they said, oh, the law says that if you didn't come into the shop to buy it, we have to give you longer to return it. So, and the other thing is, if you buy something, and apologies if this doesn't relate to your territory, so do check out the rules where you're based. But I wanted to buy a gift for somebody, which was a small radio. And I went into a shop called John Lewis. And I said, listen, um, they're going to open it. They're going to try it. If they don't like it, can we give it back? And they said, no, if it's if it's been opened and used, we can't accept it back. But if you buy it online, you can. And it's because you haven't seen it. The reason you're not protected within law is that when you went into the shop, you have seen it. So you knew what you were buying. Whereas online, you haven't seen it. You didn't know what you were buying. And that's why you're more protected. So... Weirdly, online purchases give you more rights and more power as a consumer, which is a shame because we want shops, don't we? 
I'll be honest, where possible, I try to use shops. So bookshops. I buy books from shops, not from the Amazon, because it's nice to have bookshops, isn't it? You want to support them if you can. And bookshops are lovely and will always order the book in if they don't have it quite quickly. I've got to the end of my melange now, that little blend, and it was fine. Absolutely fine. Um, so Christmas, let's talk about Christmas. So one thing is the presents. Presents are a challenge, aren't they? Because I would suggest in most cases you'll be disappointed by presents that you've received because they will not be to your liking. Maybe they won't fit. Maybe they're too expensive. Maybe they're not expensive enough. Um, you're going to have to just be very diplomatic about that because when people give you presents, you know, they mean well. And let's say you get that very sort of itchy jumper from your grandma. You have to just kind of go, thank you, grandma. I love it. I think you just have to take the hit because, you know, if there's a gift and you don't really like it, I don't really think you can say, look, it's a receipt. I'm going to give this back. I think you just have to just, uh, you know, you roll the dice. It's, it's hit and miss when it comes to gifts. I'll be honest with you. I think the only time where you would reject a present is if someone says to you, look, it was a real gamble. I wasn't sure the receipt is in the bag. That's a nice discreet way of doing it because then they can go off, try on the outfit or use whatever it is that you've given them. And if they don't like it, they can take it back. You know, you have the idea of a gift receipt and that's a receipt without the price on the, of what you've actually paid. But I think you need to just relax with presents and just understand that people are doing their best. The worst thing you can do is be angry about a present you've received or show any outward disappointment. I think this is where you have to do your best acting and go, I love it. I really do. You know, this podcast is about being authentic. It's about being truthful. But I think on, 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 um, I think at Christmas, I think you have to be diplomatic. I really do. I don't think it's a hill to die on. I really don't. I think you just, um, you go with the flow. It's a gesture, isn't it? I mean, I think that's the point about a gift. It's a gesture. My dear dad, who is sadly no longer with us, said to me, I don't care what you give me. It just, it could be a pair of socks, but if it's something that you've chosen, then that's what I would like to have. So he said, if it's a pair of socks, it means that you've chosen a pair of socks and and uh, that has meaning. So that, I think that's the point. It is the gesture. It's a bit like a card. I mean, a card doesn't have a function, doesn't it? Does it? But, um, <clears throat> you know, you've taken the trouble, you've written it, etc. So you need to keep an open mind about the presents. Um, please don't get cross or angry about presents or even demonstrate disappointment. It's just the day where you fake it. It is. It's Christmas. You're authentic and real and truthful the rest of the year. But Christmas, you're like, I love it. Thank you so much for this hairdryer, this waffle iron this um, ill-fitting jumper, you know? And also, who knows? You might be given something that's just terrible, like a Hawaiian shirt, which is not your style at all. Why don't you do embrace the fact that you've been given something that you would never buy? Embrace the fact that there's this object that would otherwise not be in your life because someone else has given it to you. And wear that bloody Hawaiian shirt, which doesn't suit you and doesn't fit you. Do you know what I mean? Just go with it. There was many years ago, we were doing online supermarket delivery and completely the wrong order turned up. We got someone else's order and it had stuff like grapefruit juice and uh, barbecue sauce and place, which is a fish. Never had place really. Place is basically it was an order with all things that we don't eat because it was from someone else. It was someone else's order. And we called the supermarket and they said, look, it's easier if you keep it. We won't charge you. It's easier if you just keep it and eat it. And so we had a week of other people's food that we would never buy. And it was really fun. I really enjoyed it. And a few of those things we carried on eating. So, you know, if someone gives you a present, it doesn't look like it's exactly what you want. Go with the flow because um, actually, you know. Be open-minded. Keep an open mind, which takes me to this year's Christmas present because I received a Christmas present already. It's actually my main present for the year. And 
I won't bore you with the logistics, but <clears throat> it was more practical to give me the present right now. So therefore, I'm going to tell you what it was. And it's this. If you're watching on YouTube, you'll be able to see. Now, what is this? It's a massive jug. It looks like a huge kettle. It says Salter on it, which is the name of a company. Salter specialises in scales. And I think... No. No, not... Um... Not sewing machines, that's Singer, isn't it? Salter, they make weights. They make they make um, uh, scales. Anyway, it's this massive, heavy device. And uh, let me just adjust the camera angle there because we have a little bit of door creeping in, which we can't have. Anyway, it is a an almond milk maker. It's an almond milk machine. It's a machine that makes nut milk basically from salter and it came in a massive box and it's a real elaborate device and in terms of keeping an open mind i opened it and i just thought why have you given me this i don't need an almond milk machine it's very specific is it don't you think it's very specific you need a phone you probably need a car you need a watch, you need a TV. You don't need an almond milk maker, do you? You need a toaster, you need lighting, you need a radio. You do not need an almond milk maker. But I did what I just said to you, which is I just said, oh, that's marvelous, that's brilliant, that's, that's great. Anyway, we had a go and we made some almond milk. It was absolutely delicious. The machine is a triumph. I think what you've got to do is you've got to, you take the almonds and you soak them in a bowl, I believe overnight. And then the almonds go into a, a little sort of holder, you know, like a little bowl. And that goes into the machine and then you fill it up with water and then you hit on and it takes one minute and it furiously blends the nuts into the water and there's basically a mesh like a filter and what it does is it allows the sort of juice from the almonds to kind of mix with the water but it keeps the residue it keeps the pulp the kind of coarse parts of the almond so it's absolutely brilliant. I mean, in a way, it's like a hand blender, but inside a big jug of water. And the water that's in there just turns white and it becomes milk and it becomes almond milk. And it's absolutely brilliant. Now, actually, it was a stroke of genius to give this to me because the person that gave it to me, a close loved one, noticed that I drank almond milk because I do. I love almond milk. One of the reasons why I like almond milk is it's very low in carbohydrate. Did you know that? And when I was ultra low carb, I was using almond milk instead of milk because I really wanted to keep those carbohydrates down. Almond milk contains almost no carbohydrate, really, really low, a fraction, probably 20% of the carbs of regular milk. So, and it actually looks like milk and it pretty much tastes like milk. Almond milk is great, but the problem with almond milk is it's bloody expensive. So I recently, I was desperate for, I was very low on almond milk. And I normally buy it when it's in the sale and it's like two quid for a litre in the sale. That's when it's cheap. It's two pounds. The one I like is called Plenish. It's a very good brand of almond milk. But I needed some recently and I paid three pounds, three quid. That'd be like five dollars for a litre of almond milk. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? So this person, this loved one that gave it to me, just thought, why don't we make our own almond milk? And when I got the device, it just seemed oh, complicated. It was a very big device. But anyway, we've made it. We now have almond milk in the fridge. It's brilliant. I will not buy almond milk again. All I need to do is buy a few almonds, soak them overnight, one minute, blitz it, and I've got a litre of almond milk. So I reckon a litre of almond milk probably now costs me because it's tap water. Well, I use a filter. So it's filtered water and a handful of almonds I think a litre probably costs me 60p rather than three pounds. And it's homemade. 
Because if you look at Plenish, Plenish is a really nice almond milk. It is good. I would recommend it if you don't have an almond milk maker. And the three ingredients are spring water, almonds, 5%. So 5% of almond milk is almonds and then sea salt. That's it. We can do that at home. So anyway, it's brilliant. I don't know how much it costs. I actually haven't checked and I probably shouldn't. But listen, you're going to check anyway, aren't you? I mean, when you get given a present, you do check how much it costs, don't you? Of course you do. Salter almond milk. I'm about to find out with you. I'm about to find out on air how much it cost. Are you ready? Salter Salter plant milk maker. Here we go. About to find out how much it cost. Hope it wasn't too much. I'm quite nervous now. Uh, doesn't say. How can it not have a price? Come on. Seventy quid. Oh no, 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 no! Robert Dice is selling it for fifty-nine pounds ninety-nine, so sixty quid. Sixty quid. Salter Plant Milk Maker is what it's called. Product code three three six six two two. Model EK five two five eight. Sixty quid. Would well, you know what? It's worth every penny because um, <clears throat> let's get the should we get the calculator out? Calculator, calculator. Um, sixty quid divided by three pounds, which is so. There you go. So by the time you've bought twenty liters, oh no, forget that. I've got a call coming in, but <clears throat> do that afterwards. Basically, by the time you've um, <clears throat> had 20 litres of almond milk, you've broken even. So it's really nice. So when it comes to those presents, keep an open open mind. I love it. I'm really happy with it. A few years ago, I was given a pressure cooker for Christmas. And again, I reacted badly to it. I thought, why do I want a pressure cooker? This is complicated. I don't need it. Why have you given me a pressure cooker? And... There is a whole episode of the Mark Dolan way all about pressure cookers and how good they are, because what they do is they're very eco friendly and they cook the food under real pressure. So you can buy a very cheap piece of meat and in the pressure cooker a couple of hours and it's like crazily tender, crazily tender. You can do a chicken in 20 minutes in the pressure cooker. So I love the pressure cooker, but it's only because I was given it and I kept an open mind. Uh, listen, we have got two minutes left on this show. I want to say thank you so much for being with me for the journey. I've loved having your company. Many more shows in the new year and there will be innovations in 2024. But I just want to say that something that keeps me doing the podcast is that we have a very loyal audience. It doesn't go away. For some reason, you're coming back every week, which is a marvellous thing. So I'm going to reward you this year with innovation, some fresh ideas, but also more of what, what what I do every week. And all I really do every week is I open my heart and my mind and I share my deepest thoughts and also anything that helps me in life, I tell you about because I want it to help you. And that's my nature. So what I want you to do is have a great Christmas. I think Christmas is really fun, right? A lot of this podcast is about self-discipline and not overdoing things and great nutrition. and But I just want you to enjoy your Christmas, okay? So in January, we're going to get really strict again. And we're going to like have some rigorous ideas for a great, successful, disciplined 2024. But over Christmas, um, have some great food. Enjoy yourself. Eat cake, okay? Drink beer like I have. And just have a good time. I want you to have a lovely time. And not have restraints. Just enjoy yourself. Be with your family. Be with your friends. Party like it's 1999. And then we will regroup in January for what is going to be a bright new start to the year. Which will be discipline, fun, excitement, surprise 
innovation. We're going to go hard. But at the end of the year, you can celebrate what you've done. Okay. Focus on your achievements. Focus on the positives. You've done well. You've got through another year. It's been a hard year. And let's just have a nice time. And I'll see you in January for the bright new start. Okay. So lots of love. Thank you for watching. And I will see you in 2024. Merry Christmas.